Good morning, Four Oaks. Pastor Paul here on a Thursday. I think it's, gosh, September 21st. Hope you guys are having a great start to the fall season. We are having a great time here every Monday through Friday where we take 10, 15 minutes to unpack a portion of God's Word. And this season, we're working through the Gospel of Matthew. And our standard practice is to take the text that we're going to be preaching on that upcoming Sunday and unpack it and digest it together the week prior. So in that way, you're not just receiving um, mere theological information or devotional thoughts from me. Really, you're getting a sneak peek into how I think about a passage, how to unpack it, how to interpret it, how to exegete it. And Lord willing, that, that's going to be a help to you as you become a student of God's Word for yourself. Now, this particular week, we are working through a large portion of Scripture, all of Matthew 10, and we've just been dividing it into chunks and walking through each section one at a time. And the context here is that in, in Matthew 9, Jesus has said, pray to the Lord to send out harvesters, harvesters into his field. So Jesus saw the people with need. He, he saw their, their spiritual condition. He had compassion on them. And he then says, exhorts his disciples, pray um, that God would raise up even more workers to send out to serve um, the people. And then here in Matthew 10, we immediately find that the disciples are the answer to their own prayer, that the way God wants to spread his mission and kingdom is through his people. And then what we find is Jesus then commissioning and sending out his disciples two by two, and he's giving them instructions. And not only is he giving them instructions for their immediate foray into Galilee, but he is also giving them instructions that will be important for them to remember when they are ministering as apostles after Jesus ascends into heaven and they are acting on his behalf. And as we understand how these things apply to them, then of course what we're wanting to find out is how they apply to us. And so just briefly where we've been the last few days, we've seen that while there are only one set of apostles, capital A, um, we all are in a sense little apostles, little a, meaning the word apostle just means messenger or, or sent one, and that's who we are. We're on mission. We're not called to simply um, affirm Christ mentally, but we're actually called to follow him and to make him known by word and deed. Then we saw that being on this mission, of course, is naturally going to invite, in fact, it's going to cause, if we want to use that word, um, div you know, division, conflict. It's going to be disruptive, meaning there'll be many who respond to that message. There'll be others who push back all simultaneously at the same time. And what's striking about the passage we looked at yesterday is the, is the number of times Jesus promises them that Bad things will happen to them. They will be flogged. They will be thrown into prison. They will be killed. They will be maligned. And when you finish this section, you can sort of feel this, this, this fear, this, this sort of, wow, if I'm living on mission, 
and this is inviting um, opposition, persecution, I mean, naturally, that evokes in us a fearful human response. And Jesus knows this, to which he then gives the next set of instructions to them and, and to us. And we're going to be in verses 26 through 33 of Matthew 10, so let me read that. So have no fear of them. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the rooftops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So whoever, so everyone who acknowledge me, acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Now, there's a, there's a lot here. And... The driving thrust of this exhortation for Jesus is saying, yes, I know you will fear. It's human to fear. But let me tell you why you can press forward in mission, even while being fearful. Let me tell you why you can act as if you are not fearful. And he begins by reminding them that not, not by downplaying the danger, Okay, understand something. That, that's not how he assuages their fears and our fears. He, he does acknowledge, look at verse 28. Yes, um, there are those who can kill the body. And, and that's going to be us, right? Whether it's by a natural death, quote unquote, all, all death is unnatural. Whether it's a natural death or um, some accident or disease or or persecution, whatever the case may be, um, Jesus says that's going to happen, but don't fear that. Now, why do we, are we not to fear that? And he, here he tells us, okay, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. In other words, don't worry about your temporal state, okay? Um, worry about your soul, because your soul is eternal. And this idea that our soul body can be destroyed in hell, um, what this means is that all of us are eternal beings. We've been given a soul that can never die. And the only question is, what, what state will our soul be in for all eternity? In the outer darkness, in hell, separated from God in judgment, or... Um, with a new body, um, with Jesus for all eternity. And, and essentially, Jesus is saying, the reason, the way to get past your fear in this life is to remember um, the temporariness of this life and the eternality of the reward that you will have with me. So here what we see is, is not so much Jesus saying, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear, try your hardest not to fear, suppress your fears, suppress your anxieties. He's saying, replace this fear with a hope. 
it's not enough just to, to counter something. You want to you put something in its place. And so what we find here is that the gospel not, doesn't just, um, it's not just our message, but it's the truth of the gospel is actually what emboldens us because we know that because of the truth of the gospel, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Um, they can kill the body, but Satan cannot kill the soul, cannot destroy the soul of the one who belongs to Jesus. And so it's very interesting here that the content of our message, the content of the gospel, that Jesus died, that he rose, that he ascended into heaven, then thus becomes not just our message, but it becomes our armor. It becomes our shield. It becomes what fortifies us. Um, the message as we're proclaiming it to others is also a message for our own souls that nothing can separate us from God, regardless of what happens in this life. And that this life is a tiny speck. It's a mist. It's a vapor. But God's preparing for us an eternal weight of glory, which will far outweigh everything in this life. Now, he ends this little section by reminding them they're more valuable than sparrows. They fear not, verse 31. Then he says something that, that, that might appear initially startling, and it is startling. It's meant to be. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Whoever doesn't, I won't. And on the surface, that can, that can sound conditional. Um, if we acknowledge Jesus, he'll acknowledge us. If we don't acknowledge Jesus in this life, he won't acknowledge us. But, but I don't think it's hyperbole at all. Um, I think Jesus's point here, of course, is that when Jesus says, acknowledging me before men, um, I think he's, he's speaking broadly here of an identity we find in Christ, and that this identity um, is going to be a public thing. It's going to be lived out. It's going to be observed. And if our version or brand of Christianity um, is one that does not publicly identify us with Christ, that does not um, set us apart for holy living, that does not set us apart for mission, then that's not Christianity at all. That's not a relationship with Christ at all. That's something else. That's dead tradition. That's inheriting the faith of our parents. That's um, sort of a, a going through the religious motions. In other words, if, there, if there's nothing about our life lived out publicly that would say that we belong to Jesus, and that we are aligned with him, then it's, it's very fair and right to say, well, well, then is that a real reality in our life? Or, or is that just merely words? And so Jesus is simply saying, those who belong to me will have my identity, my markers um, in, their, in their life, in this life. And if, if they don't, um, then it's very proper to say, well, do they know me? You see, Christianity um, is not a private religion. You hear people say that sometimes. It's a, it's a personal matter. It's a private matter. I keep this to myself. And oftentimes that is just a gloss over, I don't want to, to rock the boat. 
I don't want, um, you know, my being branded a Christian to interfere with my business or to interfere um, with my community standing, or I don't want people to think I'm a Bible thumper and those sorts of things. And if that's the dominant MO in our lives, if that's the, if that's the dominant force, then we may have to say, do we truly understand what it means to be a Christian? A Christian is one who is publicly, by their baptism and profession of faith, identified with Christ, and it's an identity we carry with us wherever we go. All right, that um, wraps for today. Now, we're going to finish this passage tomorrow by again being reminded that while the gospel and our witness will cause division in this life, okay, it ultimately comes with an amazing heavenly reward. That's where we're going tomorrow. I hope you join us. Lord, we want to be faithful. Lord, we want to live out a life that does acknowledge and proclaim you. Father, just really want to, um, to come before you and ask that you would empower us, that we would not be driven by fear, but by a deep, sense of our belonging and identity in you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow for our last Devo of the week.